You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's a rather rainy Thursday afternoon. Welcome into Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh right here on the game. It's 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana sports station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros, Matt Miguez. Here, there's a lot going on in the world of sports today. You got the U.S. Open. Game 6 of the NBA Finals is tonight. The Saints unveiled a new helmet that's got everybody going crazy. And a whole lot more. The producer extraordinaire and the co-host with the most, Mr. James Mesh. In the Master Control Suite, James, what's going on, bud? What's kicking, ball? What? What? What's kicking? Hey, okay. All right. What's kicking? Do I want some chicken? Exactly. I I don't. No. I, I'm good. I'm not. I'm not very hungry. Anyways, so there's there's a lot. Like I said, there's a lot to to talk about today. I mean, you look at it. The U.S. Open, the NBA Finals. Patrick Mahomes responding to Tyreek Hill's comments on his podcast. Apparently, some kids stole a golf ball today at the U.S. Open. Like there, there's a lot to to dissect. So let's let's not waste too much time. Let's go ahead and get into the poll question of the day, and it is about the New Orleans Saints helmets. The Saints have unveiled a new black alternate helmet that is is interesting. Okay, so it's a black helmet with the gold fleur de lis. It's got the Saints word mark on the back bumper. The gold numbers, like always. The stripe in the middle is what have has people, you know, freaked out. So it is a very wide middle section of the helmet made up of little fleur-de-lis. I think it's absolutely fantastic. Other people, not so much. James, where do you stand on the new helmet? I like it. I've I've wanted a black helmet for a while. I just don't like the jersey that it's going with for right now. I don't like that we're putting it on the color rush. Yeah. I mean, according to the NFL's uniform policy, alternate helmets can only go with alternate uniforms, throwback uniforms, or the color rush. So that leaves the Saints with their throwback jersey, which already has a throwback black helmet. Which I, I would like. Uh, I think it'd be good with the all white. Right. The, that, the white the white jersey, the white pants. That's fine. But seeing it in the color rush, I don't like the I don't like the stripes on the shoulder with it doesn't match with the helmet. Right. Yeah, so you got the color rush, you got the all white, like James said. And then the throwback, which already has its own black helmet. So I don't see why they would wear it with the throwback jerseys. So it really leaves you with either the color rush or the white on white. The white on white makes sense because the numbers on the white jersey are black. So it ties in together. It works. Um, I don't hate it with the color rush like other people do. Uh, My guy Brandon Ertl doesn't hate it either. It's interesting, though, because... 
there's a, a with the color scheme that the Saints have, you can kind of mix it up and play with it a little bit, which is cool. But again, you know, it's got people people flustered. So that's our poll question of the day. What do you think about the helmet so far? 43% say they love it. 21% say eh. 29% say that they hate it. So keep those votes and comments coming on the poll question on Facebook and Twitter. Looking at some top stories in the world of sports, Rory McIlroy shoots a 3-under-67 to be at the top of the leaderboard for the U.S. Open. WNBA legend Sue Bird announcing that she will retire at the end of this season. You got Rob Manfred, the commissioner of the MLB, saying that the Tampa Bay Rays and the Oakland A's need new ballpark deals, and they need them soon. What do you think the commissioner could be hinting at here, James? Possible relocation. I mean, so it's interesting because if you look at the A's, their contract, I read into it, their contract with the Oakland Coliseum expires in 2024. That's two years from now. However, So you, so you if you're going to force them to do it, they would have to get an, a new stadium by 2024. Right. However, they are already deep in conversation with city officials about building a new stadium. So Oakland's already got the ground moving on theirs. Okay. The Rays are in the Tropicana Dome until 2027. But like the commissioner said, it takes a long time to build a stadium. It's not just something that just pops up. So if they're going to get moving on a stadium, they probably need to start building it within the next year. I agree. So that's that's going to be intriguing. You know, can the Rays get a stadium built in Tampa? Because a lot of people have asked for a team to be back in Montreal. Bring the Montreal Expos back. So could you see the Rays relocate to Montreal and bring back the Expos? I can't see them taking a team out of Florida. I mean, you 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 still have Miami. You still have the Miami Marlins. Yeah, but you want to have as much representation in New York, California, and Florida as possible. Yeah. So I, I think if a team is going to have to go back to Canada, I think it I think it would be the Reds. The Reds. Or, well, what were the two teams again? The Rays and the A's. The Rays and the A's. Ooh. See, Oakland. Oakland has been linked with a move to Vegas. I was going to say, I mean, Oakland's starting to have teams leave. Oakland has been linked with a move to Vegas, just like the Oakland Raiders did. Is it is it MLB fans that have wanted a team back in Montreal, or is it yeah. it's fans? fans? So it's it's the same thing with the Seattle Supersonics. Correct. Okay. Correct. The, I, I'd see it be more in Vegas than I would see another Canada team again. Yeah, so I, I could see them going to Vegas. I could see them building a new stadium in Oakland. Um, the Rays... I don't see them leaving Tampa, but like I said, in order to get a deal done, they're, they're going to have to start moving you know, fairly quickly. Phone lines are open right now, 706-0111, if you want to chime in on the hotline. Here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast, Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. 
James, let's talk about the kids that stole John Rahm's golf ball. I thought it was just one kid. No, it was multiple kids. Oh, it was <laughs> 18th hole of the U.S. Open today. John Rahm pulled a tee shot into the left rough. He shot at 301 yards. And he said immediately when the ball hit the ground, two kids snuck under the rope, went grab it, and ran away. John Rahm said, I'm pretty sure I know who it was. I recognized the two kids that were running the opposite way with smiles on their face. I am 100% sure I saw the two kids that stole it. <laughs> they weren't even sneaky about it. If they wanted a ball, they could have just asked for one. <laughs> he said, fortunately for Rahm, he was given a free drop and had an unobstructed lane to the 18th green, knocked his second shot to 21 feet, and made the birdie putt to finish at a one under 69. I mean, what what I mean, I'm not ad, I'm not advocating stealing because obviously it's wrong. However, what a story that's going to be 10 years from now. You know, the, these kids are probably 7, 8, 10 years from now when they're in high school and you know, they got a girl looking at the the different like trophies and stuff in their room and there's a golf ball, and they ask where it came from. You say, "Yeah, I stole it from John Rom." Like that's that's a legendary story. Again, not advocating stealing at all, but it, that that's a legendary story. Patrick Mahomes responded to Tyreek Hill's comments on a recent episode of his podcast. Tyreek on his podcast titled "It Needed to Be Said." said that the Chiefs and Mahomes might struggle without him and that he was underused last season in Kansas City. We'll pick that conversation up in a second. Let's go to the hotline. Jay joins the show. Jay, what's going on? Uh, hi. Um, I have a quick question. I heard you talking about uh, Major League Baseball, particularly the uh, Athletics and the um, the Rays. Um, I would love to see the Rays. If they can't build a stadium in downtown uh, Tampa, I would, love see, I would love to see the Rays. In Nashville, um, I don't I understand why Nashville doesn't have a team. Now I'm sure the Atlanta Braves wouldn't like that, or uh, the owners of the Atlanta Braves. I'm sure they would want that. They still want rights to that territory. Um, but I think a team in Nashville or in the Virginia area, um, a rival with uh, well, oh, never mind, never mind, not Virginia area, but yeah, around uh, Nashville. Now the situation with Oakland. Uh, it's crazy how a lot of teams want to move to Vegas. I think LeBron's talking about putting an NBA franchise there. Uh, you see the hockey team. You see, the, of course, the football team. But I think the oh, the, the athletics will – I think the ideal location would be Portland in uh, um, Oregon, but who knows. But um, you would like to see a team stay in uh, Oakland. That team's been there for a good, what, since 60 – I think since 67 or something like that? Yeah, it's been a long time. Yeah, with the Rays, um, I kind of feel what the, the co-host said. You know, you don't want to leave, you don't want to lose a team in Florida, but they need to build a stadium quick, man. They need to, like I said, they need to build a stadium in the city limits of Tampa, not in uh, St. Petersburg. Yeah. All right, thank you. No, I agree with you. Thanks, Jack. Appreciate you. So yeah, a couple things there. Oakland, the A's need to stay in Oakland because um, that's just that's just history. Figure out a way, build them a new stadium, let them stay in Oakland. So so here's the thing. If you keep them in Oakland, you keep the Rays in Tampa, what about you just create two new franchises 
put one in Montreal, put one in Vegas. You would have to do some reshuffling of divisions. Yeah, but, you but could, then you would you then you could even you could even it out. You could do that. Um, I like the idea of if the, if they can't get a team in Tampa, I like the idea of moving them to Nashville. The only problem is Nashville has a minor league team and a Triple A minor league team, so like big time minor league ball. Would having a pro team in the same town cut down on attendance at the minor league game? Like that would be something that maybe you'd have to look at the numbers and and see if it would heavily affect the minor league team because if that's the case, Nashville's, you know that that's tricky. Obviously, the major league team is going to be more important than than the minor league team, but you really don't want to undercut them, who who've already been there for so long. I did get an interesting text during that caller. Bring the Rays to New Orleans. As much as I would love to see a pro baseball team two hours away, we couldn't even keep a minor league team. People weren't even showing up to AAA ball. I don't know that people are going to show up to MLB ball either in New Orleans. That's just It's just not a market. It's not a big enough market here. I don't know. It's that that's been an argument that I've heard for for a long time, and I just I've never been able to get on the right side of that. Let's go back to the phone line. Jay calls in again. What's going on, Jay? Well, I heard you mention that. Oh, uh, you know, Louis, uh, Nashville already have a Triple A team. Well, um, Denver, uh, Colorado had a Triple A team when the Rockets came, and they relocated uh, to New Orleans. Um, who else? Um, yeah, team would just relocate. Vegas, you just Vegas has a team. You know what I'm saying? You talking about putting an MLB team in Vegas? They have a minor league team in that city. They'll, they'll just relocate. They'll just re, uh, that's all they will do. Just relocate. Matter of fact, New Orleans is another minor league team. Why don't you move one of those minor league teams to New Orleans? If, um, you know, I know what you're saying, but hey, I'm sure the fans will trade in a, a, a pro team, MLB team, for a minor league team any day. So. I don't think that don't, that's not, that wouldn't be a problem. I don't think that's a problem. Uh, it wouldn't be. And uh, that's all I have to add to it. And uh, thank you once again. Appreciate you, Jay. Yeah, I mean, you you could move them. That that's not that's not difficult. I don't know. That just the Nashville sounds is just such a cool team name. That's what I love about minor league baseball. Minor League Baseball has some of the coolest team names. I mean, James, the Nashville Sounds. The that was not bad. The Rocket City Trash Pandas. <laughs> the Las Vegas 51s for Area 51. Okay, yeah. Ooh. That yeah. Um, let's see what sh- the Astros, the Sugarland Space Cowboys. I mean, who doesn't love those? Come space on, Cowboys. the yeah. team before that, they were the Sugarland Skeeters. <laughs> like, dude, the, the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp, the Montgomery Biscuits. I could continue, but the Akron Rubber Ducks, the Rubber Ducks, their jerseys are blue and yellow, and they have a duck on them. It's incredible. I absolutely love minor league baseball. I would take the Zephyrs back in a heartbeat. I think you and Ray are like 
I love do, minor do it, when it comes when it comes to minor league baseball because whenever he was filling in, he, he would talk about minor league ball and try try to get me into it. It's like we got we got to get me more into MLB. It, it, first. You see, the the thing about minor league ball that I love, especially AAA, is it's big time ball, right? But there's just such a small, intimate feel to it. I just I I've gone to a couple of Zephyr's games and man, I loved it every single time. Absolutely fantastic. Anyways, off my soapbox. It's the game's birthday, and that means that this is your invitation to party with us as we celebrate 10 years of being Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Join us at B-Dubs on Ambassador next Wednesday for delicious wings, amazing door prizes, including station swag, Astro t- Astro's tickets, a 50-inch TV donated by AVI, car washes from The Wash donated by Service Chevrolet, a gift card from Partners Limited, and wait, there's more. A round of golf with a cart at Cane Row Golf Course, a $150 gift card to Mosley and Hollard, and much more. In addition, Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh will be broadcasting from the party. So come join us at B-Dubs on Wednesday from 4 to 9 for the game's 10th birthday bash. We'll take a time out right here, and when we come back to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh, we're going to talk the U.S. Open and some sad Cajun news to get to. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to this Thursday edition of Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, Matt Miguez, James Mesh, and the hotline. Martin joins us. What's going on, Martin? Oh, not too much. It's y'all Cowboys fan from Iraq. What you got, man? Uh, I just wanted to comment. I heard y'all was talking about some uh, some expansion teams that hey. Their their resolution is quite simple, man. And you want me to tell you what y'all do? What we what, what they can do? What you got? Absolutely. Yeah. All they gotta do is you take them Yankees, you move, mm-hmm. you, you relocate them to Las Vegas. Here we go. You know that that way we ain't gotta deal with them Yankees and the Yankees fans talking about their twenty seven World Series titles and blah 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 and. Then we we done with that. You got LeBron can own it. That way he can get like I said, he can get away from my Boston Red Sox. That way he can stop cursing us because the the curse of the babes over with. But now it's gonna be a curse of LeBron because he can't run nothing. So, uh, but that's all I uh I, I wanted to comment on. And uh, I got one question for you, Miguez. What you got? So you you and you and uh, you and Mesh are pretty good friends, right? I'd say so. Okay. Well, be a, be a be a real good friends and bring that boy some uh, some tissue tomorrow because uh, his health is getting closed out tonight. I'm predicting. I'm predicting Steph puts up fifty tonight, takes home the MVP, and all is gonna be good in the in the world of sports. And that's all I had to say, buddy. Y'all have a good one and go Red Sox. Thank you, Martin. 
50? Did, did I just hear him say that Steph was going to put up 50? I mean, I thought 40, but gee, 50? I'm going to switch the camera on to me if you're watching the simulcast, and you're going to see how much I'm going to roll my eyes. <laughs> All right, so to the Red Sox thing, the curse of the babe is over, but you know what isn't over? Do you remember when the new Yankee Stadium was getting built and a construction worker put a didn't he put yeah Red Sox jersey yep I remember under about that. Yankee Stadium that that's the curse and and Martin you know you're my guy but man you you, you can't squawk at 27 World Championships. I hate the Yankees just as much as anybody, but come on, man. 27 world championships. Again, I know it's because he's a Red Sox guy, and James, I guess I'll bring you a a box of tissues tomorrow. That's not happening. That's not happening. That's not happening. Let's go to the poll question on Facebook. What do you think of the Saints' new helmet? Blaine Smith says, love it. David Ackman Jr. says, love. Ralph Bergeron sends us three fire emojis. Brian Let's Fox, go, Ralph. Brian Fox, I think it's decent. Matt Reed, meh. Martin. Cowboys still got the best helmets in the NFL. Too bad we can't get a team to go with them. Hashtag wheeze them boys. Hashtag there's always next year. I think the Eagles. (laughs) I think their helmets better than the Cowboys. See, see, that's what I love about Cowboys fans. No matter how bad they are. Oh, you know, man, there's always next year. Next year's going to be our year. Well, at least we got... This is the best thing. And 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 when you go 10 and 6, well there's always next year. And then when you go 7 and 9 or now 8 and 10 or or like they did this year, you go 12 and 5, which is a pretty good season, and then you choke in the playoffs. You could keep doing that if if you wanted. When's the last time the Cowboys played in a Super Bowl? Was it the last one they won in the 90s? Yeah, yeah, 95. Terrible. That's horrible. You know you know why it's great to be a New Orleans Saint? You know why it's great? We have a 100% winning percentage in the Super Bowl. <laughs> 1-0, baby. We've been to one, we won one. That's all that matters. You can't argue with the percentages. You can't argue with the numbers. Numbers never lie. They can be manipulated, though. <laughs> oh, absolutely. 100% can be extrapolated. But they never lie. Um, so we have some unfortunate UL news to get to. Uh, former quarterback Brad McGuire was killed in a car accident yesterday in Jacksonville. Uh, McGuire was attempting to finish medical school in Jacksonville and was killed in a single vehicle car accident from 2007 to 2011. Brad played multiple positions for the Louisiana football team, mostly quarterback, but in that 2011 season, the first New Orleans Bowl that Louisiana won, he spent a lot of time at fullback. So tragic news for the Cajun program, tragic news for the McGuire family. 
Uh, we keep them in our thoughts and prayers. And also on top of Brad McGuire, uh, I've never mentioned that Dr. Savoie's wife, Miss Gale, passed away this week from an illness. So it's been a uh, it's been a tough week for for Cajun fans and, and the university. But uh, like we always do, you're gonna find a way through it and move on. Martin's calling back. What you got, Martin? Hey, I love y'all to death, man. But I, I had to call. I, I, it was burning me in, so I got to comment on what you said about the 27 year, the 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 uh, 27 World Series title. That's the past. Let the past be past. Okay. Uh, just like uh, I'm a Cowboys fan, and um, you know, and I I, I say w- there's always next year. I, hey, I know the Donner side. We're gonna go 12 and whatever. I agree with you 100. percent And then we're gonna find the dumbest way uh, to lose in the playoffs. I'm guessing this year I'm a I'm gonna probably say um, probably Zeke will trip over his own feet and and probably fumble the ball. You know, at the last second on the goal line, something in that regards. Uh, but uh, you want to know when you, I'm gonna I'm I'm say it like I, I told George this morning on 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 footnote. Okay, you want to know how when you, you you know when your team really really is bad. When's that? That's when you okay when your team cheats and you still can't win a, a, a World Series, and I'm. Re- Saying that in regards to the Yankees in 2015-2016 season, uh, what they were we, they were doing was they were using the bullpen phone to call the bullpen and relay catching signals to uh, the dugout and stealing signals that way. But did they win the World Series? No. And like I told my buddy, my good buddy Paul, number one Yankees fan, that always calls into footnote. I said. You always want to say how the Astros cheat and how the Red Sox cheated. I said, but, okay, at least we won the World Series when we cheated. I said, you Yankees cheated, but it keeps getting pushed underneath the commissioner's desk because the Yankees are the favorite child of the MLB, and they they, they ain't never going to say if they cheated, which they, they did. They did, and which every team cheats. In, 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 in baseball, so, but that's when you know when your team is really bad, when even they when they try cheating and they still can't win a World Series title. But that's all I had to say, man, and y'all have a good one. I love y'all show, man, and I'm going to hang up and listen, buddy. Really appreciate it, Martin. So, look, I did, I'm going to say one thing, and, and then we're going to get out of here because i got to hit a break. Yes, the Boston Red Sox have won – Two World Series titles in the last 10 years. Okay? That's impressive. The Yankees haven't won one since 2009. So that's very impressive. However, 27 to 9. Keep that one in mind. Let's take a time out right here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. When we return, Tyler Batiste, the managing editor for the NBA's athletic site will join us to discuss Game 6 of the NBA Finals and so much more right here on The Game. 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Had a rough day at work. Got lady problems. 
Not to worry, because you have two wingmen right here. You can be my wingman anytime. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Man, the building is rattling with all of this thunder going on outside. Welcome back to Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 in Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. The Golden State Warriors have the opportunity to lift their fourth Larry O'Brien trophy in the last 10 years. But the Boston Celtics stand in their way. Will we see a Game 7 on Sunday night, or will Stephen Curry win his first ever Finals MVP? Let's bring in the managing editor of The Athletic NBA, Mr. Tyler Batiste. Tyler, good afternoon, my friend. Thank you for coming on. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Doing well, doing well. Let's talk about Game 5 leading into Game 6. You know, Clay Thompson really seemed like he found his groove in Game 5. Just in time for, you know, the the moniker Game Six Clay to uh, t- to come out. Give me your thoughts on that. Yeah, it was uh, um, not too little, too late for him, right? Like, I, I mean, he'd been struggling earlier um, in the series. Um, the Warriors need as good as Steph Curry is, and he's been phenomenal for most of this series, especially in Game Four. Um, they need production from those other guys and clay is is that number one other guy right Draymond green, green is not somebody who's going to get you 20 or 30 points a game andrew wiggins for as well as he's been playing he doesn't you know he's not clay thompson in terms of what he can do on the offensive end and just kind of you know go off for 10 12 points over a, a two or three minute span so it looks like clay is on, on on the right track to kind of get that game six uh clay back and and the way that he plays um, takes so much pressure off of Steph Curry with the way that Klay Thompson and Steph Curry kind of run around the perimeter. Even if they're having a cold shooting night, you have to be aware of where they are. And that just puts so much strain on a, uh, a good defense like Boston or any defense where you thought really that it's just really tough to kind of beat a team like that. So if they get anything close to what Klay Thompson was able to do um, in moments for game five, I think the series is going to be a wrap tonight. Now talking about Stephen Curry snapping his longtime shooting streak the other night it was first time in his playoff career that he went a full game without a three-pointer you know what what kind of performance do you see out of Steph tonight does he bounce back does he continue that that slow night you know I think it'll probably be something along the lines of probably something in the middle between game four and game five right game four was such a um, kind of a historic type performance for him and he just didn't have it when they went back to San Francisco in Game 5. I don't think the Warriors are probably expecting anything close to what they got from Game 4, but I would imagine that they would anticipate him at least hitting one three-pointer tonight, which is, as you mentioned, something he didn't do in Game 5. Um, Steph Curry's been there. Uh, he's been in positions like this. He's been in closeout games on the road, at home. He's won championships. I don't think um, he's the type of player who's um, kind of you know thinking about that in his mind of the quote-unquote pressure of, uh, of delivering tonight or having to get up 30 shots or score 30 points. Um, he's been with that team for a while, obviously, with Clay and Draymond, Steve Kerr. I don't think there's going to be any sort of added pressure. He might let the game come to him. Um, and with the way that we just talked about Clay Thompson has been playing last game, the way Andrew Wiggins has been playing for the past couple of games, he's got people around him uh, on the perimeter who he can kind of lean on um, to 
try to get things done when he has to rest or when he's in, uh, you know, if he's not in foul trouble, hopefully, you know, obviously they don't want him in foul trouble, but they're guys that, that can kind of score the basketball around him. So, um, you know, I probably expect something in the middle, like I said, between what he did in game four and what he did in game five. Um, vintage Curry, if you if you will. <laughs> right, no, no doubt about it. Chatting with Tyler right. Batiste, the NBA managing editor for The Athletic and a Lafayette product. Tyler, right. <laughs> yeah, you know I had to throw that in there. Um, oh, of course. We're at a Lafayette shirt right now, actually. <laughs> that's awesome. I love that. So this going on the other side to the Boston Celtics, you know, Jason Tatum ha- has kind of done exactly what you expected out of him. You know, 25-ish points per game, filling up the stat sheet in terms of rebounds and assists. From the other aspects, you know, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, even Al Horford, what kind of performances do they need to have tonight in order to secure a Game 7? Well, I mean, I think they have to play out of their minds, right? Like, we've seen uh, Golden State adjust to those uh, other guys that Boston um, has had. Al Horford had a big game in the first uh, first game of the series, and Boston got the win, and he hasn't really had that level of game um, uh, since then. And we see how it has affected Boston. You know, Boston's a team that they're the envy of the league because they have two of the type of player that every team in the league is looking for, right? Every team in the league is looking for somebody who's six six, six seven, who can shoot the three and score from the perimeter and at the rim. And they've got two of those guys with Jason Tatum and, and Jalen Brown. The problem is when those guys start to play a lot of one-on-one where they're not really getting the other folks on the team involved, where the, the offense just goes through some stretches where it just looks like it can't, um, score a lot of times that happens in the fourth quarter, and we saw that recently in this series. So I think one thing Boston is probably going to look to do is maybe to add or adjust its rotation a little bit. Um, you, you've seen they've pretty much stuck to an eight-man rotation throughout the playoffs when they're completely healthy, and Robert Williams is playing. They've had Derek White, Peyton Pritchard, Grant Williams. That's been their bench. They haven't really gone to those other guys, and it looks like the team has gotten tired a lot in the fourth quarter when a lot of people are playing 40, 42, 44 minutes in a game. Um, the question is, do you want to change up your rotation in an elimination game? And that's the decision that the coaching staff has to make, and they get paid to make those big decisions in those big moments, and we'll see what happens and uh, if, if they do do that, if it forces a Game 7. Ime Udoka was talking in between Game 5 and Game 6 about how his team was, was complaining too much. They're arguing with the refs and, you know, taking themselves out of the game, really. You know, did, did you agree with that? And how can the Celtics kind of, you know, settle that down in, in order to be more competitive tonight? Well, I think the, the fact that they'll, at, they'll be at home is going to help matters, right? Like, you, you, you would a lot of teams and a lot of fans feel like, you know, obviously players have a little bit of a home court advantage. They may have calls that they don't get on the road that they will get at home. Um, the thing with Boston is that, that that team, its point guard, Marcus Smart, is somebody who kind of um, walks a fine line and sort of lives on the edge between, you know, complaining about calls or being vocal with the officials. And, uh, you know, you say one wrong thing or one bad thing, it could turn into a technical, it could turn into an offensive foul or something. So they have to kind of find that balance of, you know, what gives them that edge, the edge that has gotten them to the NBA Finals is kind of um, that aggression, that aggression, that kind of being vocal, um, that type of thing. So you just kind of have to balance it out and, and hopefully not go too far over the edge tonight and again in the game that if you lose, um, there's no tomorrow for them. So I think being at home is going to really, really help them. The crowd will be behind them. 
Um, they know that they can't, there's no room for errors or mistakes, and um, it'll be interesting to see how they start the game, I think, whether they come out hot, cold, and how that affects the rest of the game. Chat with Tyler Batiste, the NBA managing editor for The Athletic. Now, staying on the topic of Ime Udoka, how would you grade his performance in, in year one as the head coach? I mean, I know that kind of sounds like a silly question considering they're in game six of the NBA Finals, but from the way that they started to now, you know, just walk me through your thoughts on his first year in Boston. Well, I think, I mean, it's got to be an A, right? You, you know, I would say obviously an A-plus if they win the championship and, and probably, you know, an A-plus even if they don't win the championship. The way they started the season, um, Marcus Smart, if you recall, really early on called out Tatum and Brown saying that, you know, the superstars on the team didn't want to pass the ball, um, especially when you come into a team that's been together as long as they have. Um, him, him being a completely new coach, outside hire, Smart, Brown, Tatum, those guys have been playing together for a while. They've reached the conference finals um, a few times in the past few years. So to get um, people like that to listen to you um, is not an easy thing to do. And I think it's one of the things that's probably underrated about NBA coaches. A lot of people just think NBA coaches just roll the ball out there and let the players go and play because they're so talented. But there's a lot of people management involved. There's a lot of egos that need to be uh, massaged from time to time. And um, it's difficult to get you know grown men to listen to you as opposed to you know maybe a college coach who's who's talking to eighteen or nineteen year olds. But the defensive change that they made in the middle of the season was um, was outstanding. Credit to them for doing that. They picked up Derek White mid season, which was a great pickup of somebody who can play both guard positions off the bench. Marcus Smart, great player, isn't obviously a natural point guard, and so Derek White kind of gives them a little bit of that in doses off of the bench. Um, so I, I think even if they lose tonight, looking at the future, it appears really bright. As I mentioned, you got Tatum and Brown, who are two guys that every team in the league wants one of, and they've got two of them. So if you're if you're starting from a position of having two athletic wings and a and a pretty good coach, then that, that's a that's a pretty good place to start from when you're going into an off season into a next season. Now, one thing that I find interesting when looking at theathletic.com. No Celtics opponent has won a title in Boston since 1985. Do you think that changes tonight? I think it does. Um, I think um, I think the past couple of games, uh, Golden State has just really showed how um, it, it sounds cliche, but it, it's championship medal, championship DNA. They've obviously been there before um, various times. I think it's just going to be really difficult to kind of. Um, you know, beat the Warriors when they're this close to a championship, um, especially after the past couple of years where they've had it. It's been, it's funny because, you know, the past couple of years with people talking about Clay Thompson's injury and Steph Curry was hurt a couple of years ago and the Andrew Wiggins trade and all this stuff. And the Warriors were very, very patient, um, very open and honest about us saying, when we're healthy, we'll be a title contender again. You know, we're not going to chase wins. We're not going to play Steph Curry 40 minutes a game where we don't have a chance to win a championship. And um, obviously that's some of the stuff that you have to say when you're going through it, but to see it actually be near coming to fruition is, is, uh, is pretty remarkable. And you don't really see that in the NBA a lot where you have a dynasty that sort of not only goes away for a couple of years, but is a complete non-factor in the title race that just gets healthy, adds a couple of pieces back to what it was and, and, and gets right back on top. So I think that's what we're going to see tonight. And, um, you know, uh, if you guys remember me saying this later in Boston wins, just pretend it didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> Tyler, 
Tyler Batiste, the managing editor for the NBA for The Athletic, has been our guest. Tyler, really appreciate you taking the time. Enjoy Game 6 tonight, and uh, let's do this again soon, man. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. Thanks for having me. There he goes, Tyler Batiste. Uh, if you want to, if you want to follow his work, theathletic.com is a fantastic website, fantastic subscription to to get. Definitely worth it. Um, I subscribe to the Athletic and get a lot of my sports news from there. James, the World Cup cities have been announced, and I am a prophet. You're incredible. I'm absolutely incredible. So there's 14. You can't say 14? I never gas you up. 14? 16. Sorry, 16. Um, you do. You do. I'll give it to you. Uh, there are 16 World Cup cities. So f- the FIFA World Cup in 2026 is going to be called United 2026. They will play in New York, New Jersey, Los Angeles, Dallas, San Francisco, Miami, Atlanta, Seattle, Houston, Kansas City, Vancouver, Toronto, Mexico City, Monterey, Guadalajara, Philadelphia, and Boston. You got two in Canada, three in Mexico, and 11 cities in the U.S. will host World Cup matches in 2026. Dude, that's huge for the American economy. Absolutely huge. Let's take a timeout right here on Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh. And when we return, we'll wrap up hour number one and get you set for hour number two. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Let your voice be heard. Hello. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111 and speak your mind. Hello. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The Game Clubhouse, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of our awards club, you'll have the opportunity to win excellent prizes, like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou, a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House, or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. Only way to score these great prizes is by joining the Game Clubhouse, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. Crunch time with Miguez and Mesh. Matt Miguez, James Mesh couple of housekeeping things to get to, James. How about this? Isaac Wilson, the younger brother of Zach Wilson, worked out at LSU this morning. He's a four-star quarterback, top 10 in the country for the class of 2024. Interesting for the Tigers. I mean, if he's anything like his older brother, he could do, he could do well in the offense. Let's go back to the game hotline. Chris joins the show. What's going on, Chris? Hey, guys. Uh, just wanted to give my take on the NBA Finals tonight, game six in Boston. Um, you know, I'm going to just tell you all, Steph Curry went, went on to me. I've been watching uh, basketball for a long time, since Michael Jordan and before then. He's one of the most fun players to watch that I've ever seen in my life. But I'm going to tell you all something, man. It's going to be a tough a tough task tonight to go 
to Boston. Them guy, them Celtics ain't just gonna lay down at home. Um, I've seen a couple games back. The Celtics won pretty, pretty handedly. The last four minutes, um, the last four minutes, you know, the Warriors were just completely de- dejected on the, on the sideline. So I'm gonna predict the Celtics win tonight, and I think we're gonna have a a real special game. And I think the Warriors will take it in seven on Father's Day night. Y'all enjoy the game and have a great day. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate you. Yeah, you know Curry. Curry's definitely entertaining. He's he's electric when when his game's on. Um, I don't think his game's going to be on tonight. I don't. I think he scores about twenty twenty five. Clay dispels the game six Clay moniker, and Boston wins and forces game seven. Now game seven, all bets are off, but. Game six tonight, I, I really think Boston's going to pull it out. And if I'm wrong, I'll eat my crow tomorrow. we got a lot to get into in hour number two, including a conversation with Andrew Rogers about the College World Series that kicks off tomorrow in Omaha. You know what they call it, the greatest show on dirt. So we will discuss with Andrew about the eight-team field and so much more. Right here after this top of the hour sports update on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hour two of two on this Thursday afternoon. Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana sports station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. It's time to talk about the greatest show on dirt. The College World Series kicks off tomorrow in Omaha, Nebraska with a stacked 18 field. Here to break it all down is the sports director of Herd at Sports based out of Omaha, Nebraska, Mr. Andrew Rogers. Andrew, thanks for taking the time, man. How are you? Good, guys. How are you doing? Doing well, doing well. Let's talk about you know the College World Series as a whole, you know, an eight-team field, currently four SEC teams in the field. But if you if you count Texas and Oklahoma, who have signed deals to join the SEC, seventy-five percent of this field is SEC. Yeah, you can venture to say that an SEC team will win the tournament. Uh, obviously, four teams is how they are still identifying as going into this College World Series, but. Um, if you have any money to put down on, on a team a, in Omaha, I would put it down on an SEC team. I just like that field more than I like the latter. Yeah, I mean, 50-50 odds, right? You can't go wrong with that. Well, no, and I, I, you know what, I, I guess I can further explain my point there. I kind of left a big cliffhanger response. Uh, but you have Arkansas, who's coming back for redemption after being the nation's top team last year. They coughed up a chance to go to the College World Series to Cinderella NC State, which had a phenomenal year last year, and um, a lot of teams, Not I shouldn't say a lot of teams, a lot of people thought NC State should have been that last team in this year. Instead, it was given to Ole Miss, who's another team in the SEC, that, you know, again, early exit in the ACC uh, tournament. But they were pretty, pretty highly touted going into this year, 
and uh, they're proving that they deserve to be here. The last team to make the field, Tim Elko. Uh, guys, I got to tell you, Tim Elko is my boy. That guy is – he is my Babe Ruth. And, I, you know, I don't think I've ever really said that until now, but this guy is my favorite player out in Omaha, and I don't know if it's his mustache. I don't know if it's his insane batting average. I don't know if it's just his character and how much of a role model that he is for a lot of those in the younger generation. But he is playing out of his mind. I know there's a lot of guys down there that are too, but he's just a fan favorite of mine. And then you have Auburn and you have Texas A&M, of course. Uh, Auburn, just a jaw-dropping amount in the regionals. 51 runs, I think it was. And then they followed that up with what you could call an upset over Oregon State. They were picked to finish last in the SEC West in the preseason polls. Just a team that wasn't supposed to be there. And then, of course, A&M, they're one of two teams that got here cleanly. If you look at their play in postseason, they're the only ones that swept their opponents all the way here next to Ole Miss, another team that's playing hot right now. Why A&M is the biggest underdog in this field, that I can't answer. I, I don't know why anybody wouldn't put money on the Cinderella team, and I'm not, you know, proclaiming sports betting onto anybody. But this is a team that if you want to be a fan of a team, why not A&M? They have some of the best traditions in, in all of college baseball. They got the bubbles. They got the ball five chant. You can expect them to make some noise down at the big stage. It's Schloss's first season, and he's making it down to Omaha. Why they aren't receiving any love, it's beyond me. But if you're asking me, an older, experienced crew is what you're looking for when you're down in the tournament. It's that big stage that they you know, know they can come together on, a team that scores runs late, and that's the Aggie. Yeah, that was going to be my next talking point, you know, Talking about AM, we're very familiar with AM down here because whether it's LSU or you brought up the postseason with Louisiana, I mean, we've seen AM numerous times this season. So I was just as perplexed as you are that, that they seem to be one of the least favored teams in this field. It just blows my mind. I mean, this is a team that is still ranked I, I, I what's the number next to them five yeah something like that and they're playing and I'm, I'm going to use these terms loosely unranked Oklahoma team obviously Oklahoma is one of the hottest teams there if you guys are, you know follow d1 baseball at all Kendall Rogers at Oklahoma going to the finals I, I'm still waiting on him to release his bracket so I can see who's beating Oklahoma but I, he has Oklahoma going far and just am's just not getting any love and I I don't know why if, if I'm a fan I you know I'm rooting for Ole Miss because I just love Tim Elko so much and I, I have my biases in sports. But if I'm like your average fan that's like, hey, you know, I, I don't really have a team. I'm down at the CWS. I may go into the Texas A&M fan section because I'll bring my own bubbles, BYOB, to the stands, and I'll blow some bubbles if I need to. Now, chatting with Andrew Rogers of Herd at Sports here on Crunch Time with Migas and Mesh, talk to me about Notre Dame, Andrew. I mean, obviously, they took down the number one overall seed. In, in Tennessee, but some people could sit there and call that a fluke. Where do you stand on the Irish? I like the Irish. And, you know, I'm not going to pretend that I watched Notre Dame all season long, but this is a team that has now advanced to their third College World Series. And first, since 2002, they took down the one seed. Now, no one ever wants to be the one seed when it gets to regional, super regional play because the national one seed has been eliminated before the CWS five times in the last eight NCAA tournaments. And that only happened four times in the first 
15 seasons when seeding became a thing. The Irish are another one of those teams that are scrappy. They're an experienced bunch, a team that returned almost everybody. So they, they know how to stick together. I'm not saying that, you know, they're the most talented team there, but nothing scares this team. Really nothing scares them. And they may not have the pitching depth to take them all the way, but they have enough on this team to make some noise early on. Chatting with Andrew Rogers of Herd at Sports. All right, Andrew, I'm going to give you a chance to to plug yourself right here. Walk me through Herd at Sports, what it is, why you decided to create it, you know, all, all this stuff. Yeah, no, th- thanks for letting me do this. This is, this is an incredible opportunity, and I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, Herd at Sports is not just me. It is a, a group of people with the Herd at Media team that wanted to pave a new way to deliver sports to people in our generation. And, I, you know, it, it's a very historic job field, and it may, that may be on both age side and just tradition. Um, people stay in this field forever because they love sports. I can't imagine that I'm going to be out of this field when I'm 60, 65 retirement age. I think I'm going to be that guy that, you know, whether I'm talking in a small town or, you know, writing for a newspaper somewhere, if those are still around, uh, but just always being around sports. So this, this idea of Herd at Sports is to deliver not only Nebraska news, Husker news and beyond, but to create a platform that is really revolutionary. And, you know, we're making some big progress over here in Omaha. We just actually opened up a bar called Hale Varsity Club, and this is where we're going to record all of our shows with podcasts, you know, live radio, whatever it is. It's going to happen down there once uh, we figure out um, – all of the logistics and the wiring, uh, it should everything should launch in around August. So it just allows a lot of people to go to the bar and grill side and then through the big double doors, enjoy some of your favorite shows and you know some of your favorite guests. And we're we're a young group of we're a young group of people, but you know this we're we're the next thing. And you guys know that too because you guys are you know right in that same playing field. We're the next thing. And by creating. Uh, this this entity, I really feel like it's going to do so so well, and it's going to have such a benefit on people our age. Fantastic and fantastic stuff, Andrew Rogers of Herd at Sports. Really appreciate you taking the time, man. Have a great next couple of days in Omaha, and uh, we'll talk soon. You guys too, and uh, if you guys need anything else, just hit me up. I'll be down there over the next two weeks. I actually got invited to Fan Fest tonight, and I passed because I'm going to be down there for the next two weeks. Right, right. No, I understand. Appreciate you, Andrew. Thank you. There he goes, Andrew Rogers of Herdat Sports. The College World Series kicking off tomorrow with Texas A&M and Oklahoma at 1, Notre Dame and Texas at 6, and then Saturday, Arkansas, Stanford, Ole Miss, Auburn. Let's update the poll question real quick producer extraordinaire what do you think about the saints helmets so far 54.5 percent of you say love 23 percent of you say eh 18 percent say hate and then on facebook we've got 
the from Ralph Bergeron, the black will contrast nicely when planted in the pewter chest of TB12. Oh, that is brutal. Speaking of people's, well, go I love ahead. Ralph. Go ahead, James. I, I love Ralph. <laughs> oh, no, that's brutal. The black will contrast nicely planted in the pewter chest of TB12. Oof. Speaking of people's thoughts on the new Saints helmets, Mark Ingram was caught on video today being asked about his thoughts of the new Saints helmets, and he gave an answer just as classic as the Alvin Kamara airheads. They're black with the Florida League going down the whole stripe with it. The detail. Oh, love the detail. My goodness, we're going to kill them. Black helmets at night, the light shining on the black with the Florida Leagues. Oh, the detail. The details. Oh, Lord. Dude, I still remember when they came out with the Alvin Kamara, the airheads, and they're sitting on the sidelines, he and Kamara, and he's holding one of the airheads. Look at the details. Oh, my God. Boom and zoom. What an iconic duo. You you just... when, When Ingram left, it made me sad, not because I appreciate how good of a running back he was at that time but how could you break up boom and zoom like like how did how could you do that i don't know um might might be silly to some people but that's just the way i felt i was i was a hurt i was a hurt man when uh when mark ingram left glad he's back we'll take a time out right here when we return we will talk We have Saints audio from practice yesterday, including a fantastic interview from Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. We'll bring you that and so much more. Phone lines open. The hotline is open for the rest of the show. 706-0111 if you want to chime in on the action. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. It is your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Rescue Fest is next Saturday, June 25th at Park International. Today of live music featuring the Sarah Russo Band, Jet 7, Layla Laverne, Hunter Corville, and Cam Nelson. There'll be plenty of food, games, and even a raffle for you to participate in. Rescue Fest is a fundraiser for the Rescue Group of Acadiana, a group that provides financial and emotional assistance to grieving families of child loss. To buy tickets, head to Eventbrite or by visiting rescuegroup.org, R-E-S-C-Y-O-U dot org. Matt Miguez, James Mesh here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Yesterday, the New Orleans Saints held practice at their practice facility indoors today due to the heat in New Orleans. 
but Demario Davis, who recently rejoined the team for mandatory minicamp, was asked for for the first time speaking with the media this offseason, asked for his thoughts on the Honey Badger and the other additions to the Saints defense. You know, certain guys around the league that you want to play with just because they're a dog. You know, it's a term that's thrown around loosely. Everybody want to be a dog, but, you know, real dogs know who the dogs are, and he's one of them. And so being able to bring somebody like him in the locker room is, is just phenomenal. You know, Marcus May, I got a chance to play with Marcus when he was a, a rookie, and I was impressed then and even more impressed now. You know, with those guys, you know that that they care about ball, you know, and, and they around the clock they're going to be studying and making sure that they're ready to go for their team. And that's what you really need, especially when you get to playing the high-level football that, that we're accustomed to playing. And so, you know, having those guys be able to come in and, and get the reps with the guys that they're going to be in with is, is very important just from a communication standpoint and understanding how different guys play. That's very big. And so just excited to have guys like that. You know, being able to get defensive tackle like Street is, is, is huge. You know, being able to have somebody to get the inside pressure like him, Big O, and, and some of the other guys. We made a lot of good moves that is going to put us in a position to be even more dominant for a defense than we're going to have to be for this team. And then let's get to Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who had an incredible interview. And If we had the time, I would just play the whole thing at length. Um, one thing that I really wanted to touch on is he was asked, or, or he touched on the media's portrayal of the team. Man, they, they feel like we ain't got nothing over here. Our fans know what we got, but let's just be real. Y'all see what's going on TV. They got us going eight and four, seven and nine. Like what? Like what? Man, I've never understood that. Why? And James, you might be able to offer an explanation on this. Why does the media always underwrite the Saints every year? I feel like there's a personal vendetta against the Saints. I feel like it's not a team from Cali. It's not a team from Florida or New York where you have the quote-unquote big market. And we also know, I feel like the reputation based on, what was it, Bounty Gate, I feel like that's permanently altered people's idea and what, how they look at the Saints. I mean, I, I guess. Because, because you look at it, most of the Saints' history, it's been terrible. They've been terrible most of, the, most of their existence. Oh, and their And most of their success has only become recently. And within that recent period, there was that time when Bounty Gate went along. And usually when you have that one negative, if you're not of a fan of a team, and you have something like this happen, then you're kind of like, I'm not big on them. I, I mean, I was never big on them then, but now they've kind of become an enemy to me. But here's my here's my thing, okay? Since the year that they won the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. this, this is their records since they've won the Super Bowl, and I'm going from 2009 to present. Yeah, 13 and three, mm-hmm. 11 and five, 13 and three, seven and nine, 11 and five. Seven and nine, seven and nine, seven and nine, eleven and five, thirteen and three, thirteen and three, twelve and four, eight and nine. 
with that much consistency and your worst record being seven and nine, which I remember a few years ago, a seven and nine team snuck into the playoffs. Granted, it was NFC East. Well, but still, they snuck into the playoffs. How is this team still getting disrespected? It makes no sense to me. I'm not saying that because I'm a Saints fan or that I cover the Saints or whatever. Just from a national media standpoint, this team should not be as disrespected or as written off as they are year in and year out. And one of the reasons why I firmly believe that is outside of a couple lucky breaks in the playoffs, Tom Brady has struggled heavily against New Orleans in recent years. And Chauncey Gardner-Johnson had something to say about that. We're confident that we can beat them in the playoffs in the regular season. Mm-hmm. He fumbled the ball to win the game. Y'all saw it, bro. Let's be real, bro. Let's call it what it is. I ain't saying no names. I ain't saying, y'all know what happened. That fumble messed up, right? That fumble messed up the game. And I ain't saying no names. It's football. Come on, bro. We ain't worried about nothing. If we can beat the GOAT four times, beat them consistently. Hold on. Let's take him out. We sweep our division consistently every year. What we worried about? Let's, 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 let's stop sending shots at single individuals. We single-handedly dominate our division every year. We dominated last year and we was at, on the bubble. Just a couple setbacks, COVID, injuries. It's life, bro. It's football. I mean, we suck. Tom Brady, Tom Brady lost a whole bunch of people. Patrick Mahomes lost a whole bunch of people. Justin Herbert lost a whole bunch of people. Do they suck? Seattle lost Russell. Come on, man. Come on, man. But he's right on the money. I mean, everybody's going through, you know, turnover. Everybody's going through losing a bunch of people. But even when the Saints had Drew Brees and Marcus Colston and Brandon Cooks and, you know, were these world beaters, they still got written off. Again, I think the Saints are going to be fine. I've said that from the jump. I still think even with the additions, you add in guys like Jarvis Landry, Chris Olave, you know, I think you're a I think you're a 12, 13 win team. I do. The defense that you had already was phenomenal. And then you go in and add Tyron Matthew, Marcus May, Contavia Street. You might even be adding Joe Schobert. I mean, that's an elite defense. It is. Best secondary in football. By the way, your bet didn't go through. My bet didn't go through. Joe Schobert. Oh. Making it by it before the show started. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll say it if nobody else wants to. Saints have the best secondary in football. So. Uh, it's, it's hard to look at a secondary that on paper is better. I agree. It, it's it's the best secondary in football. Um, now... Dennis Allen talked on practice yesterday and said that he feels that they did well on both sides of the football. I I felt like today there was a little bit of give and take. You know what I mean? And and certainly that's kind of what you want, obviously, when you're the head coach because, you know, you don't want one side of the ball dominating the other. You want to see that there's a little bit of give and take, and and that's generally what happens in in the better teams that I've been a part of. So, yeah, there were some good plays that, that, 
we made on defense today, but I also felt like there were some things we did well on offense. It's the game's birthday, which means that this is your invitation to party with us as we celebrate 10 years of being Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Join us at Buffalo Wild Wings on Ambassador Wednesday night for delicious wings and amazing door prizes. I mean, James, this is a lot of swag to give away. Station t-shirts, Astros tickets, a 50-inch TV by AVI, car washes from the wash donated by Service Chevrolet, a gift card from Partners Limited, a round of golf with a cart from Cane Row Golf Course, a $150 gift certificate to Mosley and Hollard, and much more. In addition, you're going to get to see a live recording of Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Join us at B-Dubs Wednesday from 4 to 9 for the game's 10th birthday bash. I mean, how do you not want to get in on that? Free food, free prizes to win, me and James live and in living color. Doesn't get better. We'll take a time out right here, and when we return, James and I will give our thoughts on Game 6 of the NBA Finals tonight, 8 o'clock from the Garden. Here on the game, 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. June 16, 1975. The Milwaukee Bucks trade three-time MVP Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Walt Wesley to the L.A. Lakers for four players. Kareem would win three more MVPs and five titles with the Lakers. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. Crunch time with me, guys, and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. James, I've seen something on social media. It's not sports related, but I feel like it needs to be discussed considering we, we live in literally one of the hottest places on earth. I so can't wait to hear it. This is from EnergyStar.com. Thermostat recommendations. Okay, this this one will I can tell it will get interesting. So James, when you're at home, uh-huh. what, what's your thermostat on? We generally keep it on seventy three, but if it gets a little too hot, we'll lower it to about seventy. Okay. According to this, seventy eight. Huh? Yeah. Uh huh. Okay. Let's continue. When you leave the house, what do you set it on? We just keep it the same. It's, Generally, either 73 or 70. Maybe 72. 85. Huh? 85? Yeah. What is this, a sauna? And 82 when you're sleeping. What the? 82 when you're sleeping. I wouldn't catch a lick of sleep if it was 82 degrees in my bedroom. I just sweat. I just sweated right now. I'm sweating talking about it. That's why. Just hearing the 82, I just started sweating. My, My hands are literally sweating just talking about it. You see, I'm the type of person, and this might sound bougie of me. Oh, he's about to flex. I would rather spend more money on an electric bill and be comfortable uh-huh. than, you know, raise up my AC and sweat to save money. Maybe that's bougie of me. I don't know. But 
I mean, I'd, I'd much rather spend an extra $20 a month and I'd be comfortable 24-7 than 82 degrees at night. Oh, my God. Out of your minds. James, you had something on uh, on social media also that you wanted to to get to. Didn't you? Or am I misunderstanding you? I have my parlay. Yeah, there it is. That's what it was. Yeah, my stink. What's your what's your stank? My stank. Oh boy. Oh, it it just keeps going up. It's <laughs> it keeps going up. All right. So so far, I may I may take some things out or I may change some things. But for right now, I need some advice. So what you got? It, it's an eleven leg parlay. Oh my god. Yeah. Uh. So so far, I have the spread Boston minus three and a half. Okay. I got Tatum over twenty seven and a half. Okay. As well as Tatum thirty plus. Okay. I got Andrew Wiggins fifteen plus points. That's pro- fair. Pro- probably should touch on his rebounds too. I may make this a twelve leg. Who knows? Jason Tatum at least three threes. Tatum over seven and a half rebounds. I'm telling you, this is his signature game. Do you you really think Tatum's just gonna pop off? Tatum's gonna go crazy. In response, I think Jalen Brown will have a solid game, but I have him under 24 and a half. So him scoring 22, 23, 24 won't won't bust the parlay. And he'll still have a he'll still have a good scoring night. Okay. Derek White, 10 plus points. Green six plus rebounds. Green four plus assist. Steph Curry, three plus threes. I may take that out. I don't know. He may score five. He may score two. He may score none again. I have no idea. But that's my eleven leg. My my bet wager, I have twenty-four dollars and eight cents. Shout out Kobe. Rest in peace. And the the odds just keep boosting it up. It's now at if I win this, it's nineteen hundred and fifty dollars. All right, so here's what I got. Okay. Celtics money line. Okay. Wiggins over seven and a half rebounds. Uh, I'm oh I'm thinking about that one sounds juicy. Tatum over seven and a half rebounds. Okay. Curry under twenty eight and a half. It's pretty good. I, I may do the under as well. <laughs> Thompson over nineteen and a half. Yeah, we may we may see game six clay, but I, I don't know. Derek White over nine and a half. Derek White over nine and a half. Okay. Pool over ten and a half. Yeah. Uh did I not have pool? No. And I, then I and thought then, about it, but then I got scared. Maybe he scores nine. I've got a leg that you might disagree with. Okay. Tatum under twenty seven and a half. Oh. And then let me tell you why. Let me tell okay. you why. Okay. I really think you're gonna see one of those games where all three of them. Where you have where high you, numbers, where you see Brown, Smart, and, and Tatum, Tatum are all in the twenties, where they all hit like where like how they did with a uh, game. Was it game two? No, it was game three, game where they three. where it's twenty seven, twenty four, twenty. Yeah, I, I see a game like that. Okay, so that's why I I go under on Tatum. Um, I just I, I see I see Marcus Smart rebounding from a not so great performance in game five. Yeah, yeah that's fair. And then I feel like Jalen Brown's just going to do what Jalen Brown does. And then Tatum's going to do what Tatum does. I just, the way I see it is, it's an elimination game. I remember with Milwaukee, he dropped 46 in game six. Tatum did? Yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't know if he'll necessarily score 40 again. Yeah. But I, I am feeling that he drops 30, 32, 33. 
because he Maybe. may he may not he may not pass as much and he'll just go for the threes or just drive and if he doesn't get fouled he's just going to try and finish strong and get those layups. That's true, that's true. I could see that. I could definitely see that. It's going to be a fun game tonight, man. I'm uh I'm pretty excited about it. Now I got to ask you, they've got some player performance doubles. What do you think about Robert Williams' eight-plus points, Boston wins? That's pretty good. Plus 162. Uh, Those are good odds. On that one. Uh, Let's see, the highest odds in that category. Draymond Green, (laughs) double-double. So it'll be be rebounds and assists. Golden State to win. It's plus (laughs) 1,000. There it is. Oh, why 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 you could, y'all doing Draymond like that? <laughs> you could throw down like fifty cents. Oh my god, like fifty cents. I'll throw fifty cents. Fifty on cents on one plus one thousand. That'd be what five bucks, ten bucks, fifty bucks. I don't uh, I don't math very well. I was gonna say now you got me confused. Yeah, I don't math very well. Um, so that'll be fun, James. In the end, who do you see winning tonight? I gotta believe it'll be Celtics. Homer. <laughs> wow. Original pig man. Homer. Man, speaking of betting, you probably should have betted the score of oh. game one of the Stanley Cup finals <laughs> last night. Oh. You probably should have. I'm so upset about that. Because I, I literally said, I said, I'm thinking I'm leaning towards Tampa Bay. I said, I'm leaning towards Tampa Bay. But I'm probably overvaluing it. I'm looking at the odds. They're saying over six goals in total. They're saying that they believe that the Avalanche have a one-goal advantage. So if I'm going to do that, i got to believe the Avalanche win 4-3. to three. I never said overtime, but I said the exact score. Man! Oh, I should have bet it. You should have. That would have been two sports. I would have had the Super Bowl and the Stanley Cup final. You would have just been a score guessing machine. I'm just, I'd be my own prophet, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so what? What do you think about this? Reading this headline, the NCAA has recommended transfer portal windows. Okay, so only certain times of the year you can Correct. transfer. I like that because Correct. I don't want I don't want this to be twenty four seven three sixty five. I don't. I, I need it to be in seasons. We got a duck season. We got a we got a deer season. Right. Right. I, need, I need a season for for the, only transferring. I can't have this happen all year. The proposed transfer recommendations are intended to stabilize the transfer environment, according to the NCAA, and would require additional accountability for schools that do receive transfer students. The NCAA did not immediately provide in- information as to what the specific transfer windows would be or how it would hold schools accountable on the receiving end. Because right now, like you said, it, it's whenever you feel like. You can go wherever you want. And for the most part, you can play immediately. And that's a problem. Because, you know, say Alabama wins a national championship and a kid from LSU says, hey, I want to go to Alabama. They can do that. Because used to, when the transfer portal first came out, the only way you could transfer, you could play immediately was if you got special permission from the NCAA. Now you don't even need that. Now you just go as you please, do whatever you want. Which I think is a uh, is a serious problem. Looking at some more stories that come that came out during the show, according to Jadavian Clowney, 
he re-signed with the Browns to play with Deshaun Watson. What do you think about that? I don't know if you want to bring that up now. <laughs> Maybe before we got even more right. civil lawsuits. Right. Maybe before we got more cases. He said, I thought I played well here last year, and I feel like I can get better and pick up where I left off. Then my boy came here, Deshaun. Oh, buddy. Oh, buddy. Over under, Deshaun suspended six games. James. Uh, early prediction? Yeah. Right now, what's your thought? Or I need a half. Is it six and six a half? Six and a half. I'll go under. I think it's probably six. Really? Think, unless it unless eight. it just unless it just absolutely devolves and it gets absolutely terrible and then you have to lean more towards the nine. I think he gets eight. That that's my guess. That's uh that's a sticky situation, man. That's oh that's not a good look for, for the Cleveland Browns. I want to go back to Tyreek Hill really quickly. Just about to bring that up. Because I remember we were talking about it before the show. We we Tyreek said he felt underused. 111 catches is not underused. But if you look within the games, what what would you consider an underused game? Like how it, many how many depends. how many catches, how many touches? It depends. It depends on the type of matchup you're playing against. It depends on you know, can we settle on a number? Like, do you think? Do you think having only four catches in a game? Do you think it's like, I didn't get the ball enough, man. I mean, I think I think four for a top five receiver is an underused game. Maybe I, that's what I think. Maybe again, to me, it depends. You know, on the type of matchup. You know, were, was was he getting double teamed? Was he not getting as open as he normally does because you were playing against a good corner. There, there's a lot that goes into that. I mean, that's fair, but when it comes to 60-plus minutes of play, it feels like a wide receiver should have at least five catches, I, should, I, I would say. At least five. And I'm looking at last year's game logs. He had one... He had six games where he had four less catches. But you also got to think. Think about how many weapons the Chiefs have. You had Tyreek Hill. You have, you Ty- had- you have Tyreek and, 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 and Travis Kelsey. Those are your big guys. Everyone else is like tier two and below. And some of them are barely tier two. Because I wouldn't consider Cole Hardman that good, at least right now. Jerick McKinnon, it's an all right piece. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I like him. Of course, I mean he's an LSU guy. He's a good running back, but they don't use him properly. They they used Darrell Williams a lot more. Well, Clyde spent a lot of the year hurt. He did, but whenever he is on the field, it feels like they just only use him as kind of like a power back. But it's like he can catch the ball a lot better than they use him for. He's barely used in the receiving portion of the game. I I just feel like. If the game ultimately comes down to it, you got if you get four less catches, even though some, even though some times you get a good bit of targets, it's like I'm, I'm a top five receiver. I know I'm short, 
I know I get a lot of attention, but I feel like I should be getting and the ball more. I, I get that, and that's fine. But just because he he caught the ball four or less time, four or less catches in six different games, he had 111 catches on the year. I don't consider that overused, underused, because there were because th- there were three times where he had ten or more. I mean, 111 catches, you're you're pushing the all time record for a season. All time record's what 140 something? 149. Yeah, so 40 catches. That's not far off. I feel like one. I feel like one twenty something. Here's should, should 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 be about how many he should catch. Here's the part that bugs me. Can you have drop? Can you have sometimes the dropsy? Sometimes I mean that's yeah you can. It just feels like looking at the game log. So let me ask you this: those it just games, it just feels like that he, I should get him. I should, he should get the ball more. Those games that he caught for or less, how many targets did he have? There was one where it was Green Bay where he did have eleven. That, that, Eleven that, targets and he, how many catches did he, he have? He had four. That's what I'm saying. That's there are so, there are some times when you do have a bad game where you do have the dropsies. But seeing with Baltimore, he had four targets, three catches, fourteen yards. He had that had to be a matchup thing. That, Baltimore has pretty decent corners. I'm I'm not gonna lie. But then also looking at Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh doesn't have good corners. The best one is Joe Hayden, if he's even still there. I can't remember off top. I don't know the roster full and through and through, but two catches, two targets, 19 yards. Four catches, four targets, 76 yards. It was a blowout win against the Raiders, but it's like force feeding. I mean, could have been a little bit. Yeah, but it feels like he could have gotten the ball more. It, yeah. it ultimately comes down to the how the game is flowing, but I don't know. I, I would make Tyreek more of a priority, especially with how you can run him the ball and have him catch the ball. Here's, and even, and even, well, no, Travis is better throwing, but still, you can do a lot with Tyreek. Here's the part that bugs me. Tyreek Hill went on to say that Dolphins quarterback Tua Tagovailoa is a more accurate passer than Patrick Mahomes. Now, that one I really don't agree with. <laughs> really? And don't get me wrong. I'm not like most people. I like Tua. I think Tua's going to have a good career in the NFL. I'm not huge on him. I think he's going to be a good quarterback in this league. Is he going to be elite? Is he going to be top five? No. Top ten? Maybe. I think he's a high-level quarterback in this league with time. But to say that Tua Tagovailoa is a more accurate passer than a guy that we have seen throw a no-look ball 35 yards down the field, dude, that ain't luck. Right on the money. That's not luck. He's not going, oh, let me just hope it gets there. Like, he knows what he's doing. Patrick Mahomes is one of the most accurate passers we have seen in a long time. Yes, does he throw a lot of interceptions because he's constantly on the run? Sure. But in terms of pure accuracy, he's up there. To say that Tua is more accurate than him, that's just downright wrong. It's just wrong. Let's take a time out right here and wrap up today's show. On the other side, you're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back to Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh right here on The Game. 
1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, got a couple minutes before we get out of here and send you on your way to your Thursday evening. Update the poll question real quick. What do you think of the Saints' new helmets? Again, Ryan Trumps comes in. I like them. It's something different. It's definitely different. There's there's no questioning that. It's definitely different. Um, and then Randy Broussard asked Ralph about a new helmet and asked him how he was feeling and then responded with six Ps. I don't get it. James, do you understand a comment with six Ps? I'm just as confused as you. Okay, cool. Um, and then on Twitter, we'll update that poll question as well. Earlier, it was a large percentage in favor of the helmets, 56.5% as of now, 22% say meh, and 17.4% say that they hate it, which is kind of the reaction that, that we've been getting. Uh, some fans love it, some fans hate it, some fans are really in between. I want to take this opportunity to thank Tyler Batiste, the NBA managing editor of The Athletic, as well as Andrew Rogers of Herdat Sports in Omaha for joining us today. I want to thank anybody that called in to today's show. Tomorrow, the Friday Fun Show. It's going to be a big one. Will we be talking about the Warriors winning a championship? We'll see. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez saying be safe, be well, hug your mom and them. This is The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and it is your home for the Houston Astros and LSU Tigers. Mm-hmm.